Ooh, welcome. Step right in. Take a look around. I promise that no matter who you are, we've got something here for you. Think of any creature, any companion, any friend. We've got it. It's our business to provide to you our valued customer. Anything that you could possibly think of. Anything at all. So, think real hard. Because we've got all that and more here at Zack and Griffin's Multiversal Pet Shop. Why, hi there, how are you doing there, Mr. Griffin? Oh, it's a pleasure to see you again, my lad. Oh, it's so good to see you, so... So fucking good. So, so good to see you, my boy. So, what a wonderful time out here on the hills of Curly. How's the family been? Oh, the family's fine, family's fine, you know. Uh, you know the missus. I do, I do, I do know the missus. Are you okay? Are you, okay? you sound like you got a little something... We lost Star the other day. Oh. Ah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, come, come, come here, laddie. Oh, that... <laughs> I know. The dog got him. The what? The dog got him. <laughs> and it's just a wee thing. It's just a weird. It's a weird energy. We're really kind Sorry, of. Sorry, I watched. I watched uh, Banshees of Inisherin. What the fuck uh, is this? Oh, you, have, have you never seen Ban Banshees no, of Inisherin? No, Zach. Uh, so it's this really sad Irish movie. Okay. Um, starring Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. Uh huh. Um, I'm gonna. Uh, okay, hi everyone. Spoilers. I'm gonna give you We're Zach's <laughs> interpretation of this movie real fast. You know what? It's really important, Griffin, that you hear the plot of this film because it's ludicrous. Are you ready? Sure. <laughs> so this is set on the island of Inishrid, right off the coast of Ireland. Okay. During the Irish Civil War. That happened, what, late 1800s, I think? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. I'm not quite sure. Anywho. So, Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, they're old friends, okay? Mm-hmm. And one day, as per usual, Colin Farrell goes yeah, goes to goes to call on his dear friend, Brendan Gleeson. Mm -hmm. um, Colm, I don't remember what his last name is. But everyone calls him Colm Sonny Larry for some reason. Okay. I don't understand Irish nomenclature. Okay. Anywho, he shows up and Brendan Gleeson just ignores him. And then later, he goes to the bar and they're like, hey, is Colm not coming? And he's like, I guess not. He's like, maybe you should go check on him maybe, you know, and see and go get him. And then he goes to get him. And while he was gone, Brendan Gleeson showed up at the bar. Okay. And so he's like, what the hell? What are you doing? And Brendan Gleeson just ices him out. And then the next day, he's like, he sits down. And he's like, look, I'm sorry I ignored you yesterday. The fact of the matter is I just don't like you anymore. What I think is you're, happening? I, I, I think you're really boring. And I just, and I, I, at this point in my life, I just want to be surrounded by things that interest me. And you're really boring. So I don't want to be friends with you anymore. And so Colin Farrell gets just kind of upset about this and keeps trying to hang out with him. And he goes, okay, look, if you keep trying to hang out with me, this is what I'm going to do. Next time you try to talk to me, um, I am going to cut off one of the fingers that I use to play fiddle with, and I'm going to give it to you. And then he does. And then he does. He, he just throws his finger at his front door Oh. And the whole and, and that's the movie is is like Colin Farrell just like hey you've been my best friend for years will you just talk to me and he's like I'm going to cut my fingers off if you don't stop talking to me and then he shows up with more fingers and Colin Farrell's beloved donkey accidentally eats one of them and dies because uh, because he, he chokes on the finger and then Colin Farrell shows up at the bar and goes hey your fat fingers killed my donkey today. Just so you know, tomorrow on Sunday, the Lord's Day at 2 p.m., I'm going to come to your house and I'm going to set it on fire. Make sure your dog is outside because your dog hasn't done anything to me. I'm not going to check that you're not in there. And then he shows up the next day and he sets Brendan Gleeson's house on fire. The weirdest fucking movie. <laughs>
Hi, this is Zach's book corner, but movie corner. I would like to submit this four minutes and 30 seconds of audio <laughs> for the worst podcast intro <laughs> of all Hi. time. Hi, welcome to Zach and Griffith's Multiverse of Pet Shop, where Zach gives a four minute description <laughs> of the plot of Banshees of Initiative. <laughs> After a very strange lead-in of Irish, of of sad Irish improv. Um, hi everybody, welcome to Zach and Griffin's Multiversal Pet Shop. I'm Zach. I'm Griffin, (laughs) and I've lost all control of this show. You're welcome. Let me pound some of this white claw. Zach's been drinking, I'm extremely caffeinated. Um... And we have um, new source material. Yeah. Chris, our dear friend from Meister, tells us um, that we have only gotten more unhinged as <laughs> the not, show has gone on. You're not and helping I'm just pro- I'm just proving him right. You're not helping our cause. I know. I'm sorry. Anyway, The hi, end everyone. of the really fiscal year you. is coming up, Zach. We got sales to make. And we got like three, two, three months. We're fine. Oh, right, right. A multiversal fiscal year. Yeah, we're fine. I'd say the actual fiscal year is like. And the actual fiscal year ends what? End of April? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. That's a, that's a short time to turn things around. I'm saying we got a couple of months. We, we've, had a, we've had a good year. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> Anywho, hey, everybody. Um, today's a good day. Um, and that day. Uh, it's because we finally got our hands. I'm not sure how long the book's been out, but we finally got our hands on Tome of Beasts 3 by Cobalt Press. Woo! Uh, a impressive convocate of creatures that um, we're yeah. excited to dive into. Yeah, we spent about 30 minutes just looking through this book going, look at this cool shit. Look at this cool shit. This looks pretty neat. Look at this fucking thing. I- I think together we sent each other about 15 different things that we went, ooh, this could be cool. Yeah. Um, and we didn't even touch on the whole book yet. Um, so, you know what? Fuck yeah. Thanks, Cobalt Press. Thanks, Cobalt Press. We love thee. We love thee. You want to get we into love it? Thee. Yeah, let's get into this. Let's get into so it. So, the first thing we've got is called the Brumalek. And this is Brumalek. so fucking cute. It's really dang cute. It's really dang cute. Let's dive in here. So what I'm looking at is a cute uh, sort of what you know, as it says here, a white fur, uh, white furred weasel-like creature, um, and uh, yeah, you know, it's just got a cute, cute little white tail, but it's got this like plating thing on its forehead. Yeah, it almost looks like, like a Don fan. Kinda, yeah. The plating like, it's does. Just got, yeah, it's just got. Wow, yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. <laughs> it looks exactly like a Dom fan. Um, but yeah, it's just got like you know, like a few little, like a little bit, like you know, from like it's the like right by uh, behind its nose to like past its ears, just this little plate thing. Some armor. And it's just plates. got so you know, cute little, cute little nose and mouth with little, some little whiskies. And Zach, he's got and, a little uh, beard. He's got a little beard. Uh, but let's read. Uh, so yeah, this white-furred weasel-like creature stands balanced on its hind legs and broad tail. Nice. Beneath a wide skull, intelligent eyes peer intently as a frog-like sac at its throat contracts and expands. Ooh. So its beard is a frog-like sac. <laughs> maybe maybe it's underneath the beard. And, yeah, yeah. A bearded frog-like sac. I'm into it. I'm into it. A small and unassuming creature, the Brumalek has caught many travelers among the snow-capped peaks unawares with its ramming skull and ear-splitting howl. Yeah! Hell yeah! Ramming speed! So it says avalanche caller. Oh, shit. Yeah. The skittish Brumalek Brumalek can inflate its vocal sac and emit painful sounds. But it uses this primarily as a defense mechanism. The force of its cry is enough to throw up swirls of mountain snow, obscuring them and helping them escape predators. Nice. Large groups of Brumalak can coordinate this effect, triggering avalanches on those approaching their nests. That's so good. This I, I think I referenced this in the last episode, but they're really yeah, the, the, like the video of like the bunch of hedgehogs that are poking up out of the ground, and they're like. 
Hi! 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you did too. But they just scream together. And you know what? I like that. Look, those uh, families who scream together dream together. I am already a Bremelec choir is just on the horizon. Like For it sure. has to be. Like I'm that breath support. Oh. Oh. Some like throat singing like, action. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. it's like, you know, like sure, I'm sure they have a diaphragm in there. You know, you got to breathe from that. But they've also got a whole other sack to put more air in. Like the imagine the air control they have. I'd be so much better at karaoke if I had an additional air sack. Oh, my God, dude. I couldn't imagine the songs I could sing if I had an additional air sack. My God. <laughs> they call you Air Sack Sack. Air Sack Sack in the house. <laughs> hey, Zach, where'd you get that air sack? I'm glad you asked. Oh, just, it's, just, it's just a little knick-knack. It's just a little knick-knack. Knick-knack air sack. <laughs> I'll tell you more about it in the back. <laughs> but don't be rude about it. I'll uh, catch some flack. There you go. <laughs> we gotta stop <laughs> yeah. and I'll tell you to hit the road jack Zachary. anyway <laughs> <laughs> mountain children Brumalek broods have deep attachments to the mountains where they were born keeping their nests hidden close to the summit working together when a true danger threatens their home the hit and run tactics of Brumalek in these times overrules their otherwise skittish nature when a threat is deemed great, they even howl warnings to uh, nests on other nearby mountaintops. Nice. Like a big uh, family, big community of yeah. cool little snow weasels. Yeah, these would also just be really cute things to make like an animated movie out of. Oh, for sure. Like, you know, like whether they made that Smallfoot movie that was about yetis? Yeah. Yeah, but like imagine that it's just a bunch of Bremelac and they're like, call, you know, they use that, they call across the mountaintops like, hey, John! Yeah! You coming over for dinner later? Oh, sure. Should I... Am I bringing... Am I bringing a dish? Uh, you know, just chips would be fine. All right. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Uh, maybe it's like, like a 12-pack or something. Oh, yeah. I got some gimmies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. All right. That's one of these moments where now that I live with another person again, I wonder what my sister thinks of this show <laughs> when we just yell random shit at each other? 100% yes they're captive watchdogs Ooh. which doesn't sound like a great thing to start with but here we go the small size disarming appearance and volume of a Brumalek has led to some unscrupulous groups uh, to kidnap the creatures for use as guards training come a Brumalek. on come on Training a Brumalek for this role is no easy task, but if one succeeds, they will have earned themselves a dangerous, if morose, guardian with an alarm loud enough to hear across the valleys. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Or you can just be, like, like, chill about it. Just be, like, a chill dude. Stop stealing them. Stop fucking stealing them. They got kids. <laughs> they got kids. Uh, anyway, let's Blah. take a look at the stat block, shall we? Let's. All right, so small beast on a line, 13 armor class, 40 hit points, which honestly is pretty impressive. That's a chunky weasel. Yeah, they got 30 foot movement speed, burrow climb, a uh, burrow uh, and climb speed of 20 feet. Nice. Pretty sick. Pretty nice dex. Uh, that's the highest it gets at a 16, though. Um, and yeah, I mean, the other thing else is just pretty, you know, middle animal mm -hmm. levels. Smart for an uh, animal, though, go, at platform. Smart for an animal, four, yeah. Uh, perception of three, uh, stealth of, uh, of five. Pretty sneaky. Um, resistant to cold, immune to thunder and deafened. Probably because of the screaming. <clears throat> Probably because of the screaming. <laughs> they got pack tactics. Yeah. And they have something called snow stride. Ooh. A Brumalek can burrow through non-magical snow and earth. While doing so, it doesn't disturb the material it moves through. In addition, difficult terrain composed of snow doesn't cost it extra movement. That's cool. I like that. It's just a nice little detail. Just sit there and uh, diglet around a little bit without leaving the little groove in the in the ground. Yeah. But yeah, they got a headbutt, which is a uh, plus five to hit, and it's a d6 plus three bludgeoning, which is, again, impressive for its small stature. Yeah. But yeah, here's the big thing. It's got that reverberating howl. 
The Bramalek releases an earth-shattering howl in a 30-foot cone that is audible 300 feet away. Nice. Each creature in that cone must make a DC 13 deck save. On a failure, a creature takes 2d4 thunder damage and is deafened for one minute. Ooh. On a success, a creature takes half the damage and isn't deafened. A deafened creature can repeat the saving throw at the end of each of its turn, ending the effect on itself on a success. Dang. And then, yeah, it's got a, a skittish bonus action <laughs> where it can take the dash or disengage action as a bonus. Oh, cute. Yeah. I'll, Just a cute little butt. I love these little goobers. I like them. I like them a lot. There's a lot of, like, you know how, like, cats upon this plane, UTP, will, like, headbutt mm-hmm. to, like, you know, show, like, comfort and affection. Yeah. My cat does that all the time. Yeah. It'd be a little rougher with a Brummelak. But yeah, it's it like like when a you know like a like a goat rams you <laughs> yeah like when they're just like eh. just gonna and you're like ow okay bud and you make it just a little helmet out of like memory foam padding though <laughs> and you're good to go yeah just put like, uh, some some little strips of uh, fucking soundproofing foam on it and there you are <laughs> line it with packing peanuts yeah <laughs> <laughs> just crunches crunches right in. Cute. Um, I mean, yeah, it's one of those ones. It's just kind of a cool little guy. It's a cool. I'm little a big, guy. big fan. I uh, think they're really cute. You know, they got just like you know, they they've got those eyes. You know that like you see, it like like when Puss in Boots like takes his hat off uh-huh. and he like does the big eyes, and you're like, okay, uh, anything you want, you can have. Do you it, want my pancreas? I'll take it out and give it to you. I don't care. If it's it yours. It's yours. They're just they're lo- they're loud though. It's the only thing. They're loud, you know. If um, if that's a problem, maybe not a good pair. But if you're fine with some volume, mm-hmm. hell yeah. Maybe just wear some earplugs. Maybe just use some earplugs. You know, they just kind of use it as a defense thing. I'm sure most of the time it's just a bunch of delightful chirps. Oh. And um, yeah, right. That you get a little froggy like. Oh God! Yeah, with the with the air sac. With the air sac. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah, I've come around on them completely after that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I air sac. It ain't no quack. I... We're still doing that, huh? Just have my back. God damn it, Zachary. What can I say? I have a knack. <laughs> <laughs> Getting mad in real life. <laughs> oh, Griff's about to give you a whack. I'm big mad. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Are we wrapped up on Brummelex? Yeah, as a matter of fact. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> it took me a second, but it was it was there. You fuckwit. Uh, I know. I'm the fucking worst. Uh, this, oh, it's, God. It's, it's, a, it's a much more tame Infernal Dan situation. <laughs> I miss Infernal Dan. <sighs> Him and his Infernal Van. We miss you, Infernal Dan. <laughs> Swing by the shop sometime. Uh, All right. Uh, Epitomizing now for something completely different. Uh, Zach, up next we have the uh, Vorthropod. The Vorthropod. Vorthropod is a lava lobster. (laughs) Yes, it is. Yeah. It's a lava lobster. Who wouldn't want a lava lobster, though? (laughs) Uh, This fiery-tempered crustacean hides in lava flows where the intense heat uh, keeps its shell supple. Oh, man. (laughs) Vorthropods are large, hard-shelled horrors with oversized foreclaws and muscular tails. These creatures come into existence as byproducts of residual energies and powerful magic drawn from the elemental planes of fire, earth, or water. I mean, yeah, picture a lobster. Yeah. Um, you know how, like, molten rock will have, you know, it'll, it has the, like, the cool gradient of dark to mm-hmm. light, and then it ends in that, like, the hard kind of uh, igneous, igneous rock? Yeah. Yeah, cool. Maybe igneous. Uh, it it kind of looks like its top outer shell is made of like that, you know, that 
dark igneous rock. Yeah. And then it just becomes molten on the way down. But it still has the lobster, like, legs and the big claws and the tail and the silly antennae and the yeah the sclorpy mouth. You know what I mean. I know what you mean by sclorpy mouth. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know exactly what you mean. Stop. I love the um, that uh, where the intense heat uh, keeps its uh, shell supple. Yeah, like it's like, hey Victoria, how do you keep your shell so supple? Oh, it's the lava, honey. Oh, I don't think I could handle that. Well, I'm I'm curious because it says here they have paradoxical shells. When a vorthropod Mm. molts, instead of fully casting off the old shell, it instead fuses with nearby lava. This creates a rocky outer layer that requires the vorthropod to remain hot and submerged to be mobile, leaving the vorthropod's hunting trips outside the lava short and rarely far from the heat. Hmm. Yeah, kind of curious. When the creature sleeps, it remains motionless, just beneath the surface of the lava, and the top of its shell, layered from years of cooled lava, is indistinguishable from a stepping stone. Oh, no. (laughs) If the vorthropod stays out of lava for too long, its shell becomes so heavy and hard that eventually it encases the creature alive under a layer of basalt. So it has to stay in the lava to prevent itself turning from, into a statue yeah basically from like like petrifying suffocating it basically that is wild yeah when this happens the vorthropod hibernates until lava softens its shell but the vorth- uh, vorthropod dies if it is forced to hibernate for too long fascinating really cool yeah so wild. it has to stay in the heat to melt the under layers so that it can still move around yeah. Whoa. Wild. Though strong swimmers, climbers, and sprinters, that's terrifying, vorthropods prefer to simply bask in the heat and lava. This makes them difficult to distinguish from tiny islands and safe footholds near volcanic activity. Touching one while crossing a lake of molten rock can easily lead to a fiery death by lava or the vorthropod itself. Vorthropods typically start confrontations by slapping their tails, splashing lava, and scattering hot stones. Then they charge ahead in a superheated fury. This thing's intense. Let me real quick. D&D lava damage. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Just what does it generally deal? Yeah. Dungeon Master's Guide suggests that being submerged in lava should do about 18 d10 damage. That's submerged, though. Fair. But still. If you're just getting splashed, like... I'm just saying. Still a nice amount, though. Like, as a Dungeon Master, I cannot think of many situations more hazardous to players than being near a volcano. Yeah. How do I make that worse for them? Make the volcano come to them. Gigantic lobsters. <laughs> yep. Holy shit. They are medium monstrosities, unaligned, a 15 armor class, 127 hit points, 30-foot uh, speed, 30-foot uh, swim speed, and 20-foot climbing speed. They've got plus 3 to strength and plus 4 to constitution. Pretty average everything else. Bonuses to stealth, resistance to slashing and piercing damage, straight up immunity to fire, which makes sense, uh, and immunity to poison and the poisoned condition, blind sight of 10 feet, dark vision of 60 feet. Yowza. Damn. There's an ability here called Lava Bound. The Vorthropod can exist outside of lava or magma for up to four hours each day. If it starts to, uh, if it starts its turn outside of lava and didn't take fire damage since the end of the previous turn, its shell begins to cool and harden. While its shell is hardened, its speed is reduced by 10 feet, but its armor class goes up to 18, and it gains a vulnerability to bludgeoning damage. If it starts huh. its turn in lava or took fire damage... Then uh, its shell becomes molten again. If it remains outside of lava for more than four hours, uh, the shell becomes petrified, and the vorthropod goes into hibernation. Its body returns to normal if it is submerged in lava or magma for one round. 
it can stay petrified in hibernation for up to 1d100 plus 10 years after which it dies wow so it theoretically could hibernate and be in this state for for 110 years north of a century yeah that's wild <laughs> it has advantage on stealth checks made to hide in lava and volcanic terrain with its lava camouflage and when it's uh, has its molten shell if the shell is not hardened a creature that touches the vorthropod or hits it with a melee attack within five feet takes 2d6 fire damage uh, it oh, makes right. two claw attacks, uh, plus six to hit, 2d4, plus three bludgeoning damage, and plus 2d6 fire damage. And then it's Molten Tail Slap, uh, which recharges okay. on a four or a six, or excuse me, four, five, or six. The Vorthropod unfurls his tail and slaps it down, showering the area with searing sparks and superheated rock. Each creature within 15 feet of it must make a DC uh, 14 dexterity saving throw, taking 8d6 fire damage on a failed save. That's a fireball. That's a fireball. Half as much on save. Fuck. I love Vorthropod. I'm a big fan. I don't know in what situation I would ever be able to use one of these because I'm not mean enough to send my players to a volcano. Send them to a volcano. Uh, I just, I, Vorthropod is scary. It is. <laughs> really it's, cool, I don't though. think Vorthropod is quite as scary as was the Caterprism. I remember Caterprism. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that like, was also a bad someone uh, automatically. Yeah. Like if certain things are mad. <laughs> Still, I just like, this is something, this feels like a Dark Souls to me. Of, like, yeah. you're traveling through and, like, oh, I'm going to jump from one precarious perch to another, and then I step on the, it, and then all of a sudden, lobster comes out of the lava. That's a Dark Souls. Yes. Dark Souls loves its big crustaceans, so it only makes sense. That's very fair. <laughs> uh, fuck. fuck, dude. Fourth Repod. Good pet? I mean, it could be. Like... You know, you live like you know, you know, elemental plane of fire. Yeah. Or you live, you know, around a volcano. Like if you're a fire giant, like this would be a normal sized lobster to a fir- <laughs> uh, uh, a fire giant. This is my pet lobster. Yes, I love him greatly. He sometimes pinch a little hard, but he, he just uh, yeah. But he, he, overall, he's a good. Does not know Owen's yeah. strength. Yeah. Yeah. I love that lobster. <laughs> <laughs> I love this fire giant couple and their lobster pet. <laughs> <laughs> pet lobster like to sit in forge while I work. Yeah, he's, he's in Forge. Yes. And he's, ni- he's nice to have the company. <laughs> Many long hours I sit at Forge. <laughs> Good to have Pet Lobster present. Oh, but no, like, I mean, Lobster's sick. Imagine, <laughs> like, how quick it would go bad for this if it, like, were where lobsters normally are. Because, like, th- if this hit, like, the ocean... Uh-huh. And it's like, I my brain was trying to consider what would happen to a vorthropod in like a hot spring. Yeah, I don't like know. would the because I'm not I'm not a geologist. I could ask my coworker who is, um, but like, would the heat of the hot spring be enough to balance against like so. how the water and the lava interact? I don't think so. But I just like the idea of a vorthropod chilling in a hot spring. Brother Pa, chilling in a hot spring. <laughs> Shells not oh, touching because they're not gay. But the fire giants are. Yes. Hey. They love each other. Love you so much. I love you and pet lobster. And lobster. <laughs> <laughs> like, they do I have love. a swim speed. I imagine because, like, you treat lava kind of like a, yeah, a yeah, swimming yeah. environment. But that's just molten rock. I just wonder though, like you know, if like some like they got like transported to the ocean, and God, they, like, flopped in, and it was like, tss, yeah, they would and just then like just find like a big lobster statue underwater, and you're like, what is this doing? That's down there? that's trippy. 
That's kind of cool. And then, and then like someone pushes it towards like a volcanic vent, mm-hmm. and, <gasps> and then it disappears, and it's like, where did the lobster statue go? That's that's triggering like my subnautica brain, and I'm just like, I that's can fair. see that happening. Like, ooh. Like, weird portal opens up from the elemental yeah. plane of fire and drops one of these things out in, just over the ocean. And, yeah, you just find it petrified on the seafloor. Like, what's up with this giant petrified lobster? Not knowing got- that it's a lava lobster. Yeah, this island uh, game idea that I've had forever that I will probably never end up running. Um, uh-huh. Ideas. Yeah, all right. They're brewing. Uh, Vorthropods are fucking sick. This is great. We love them. Toma Beasts, you done it again. You, God, you guy, kobolds, you kobold press, you done it again. <laughs> Alrighty. Say goodbye to Vorthropod, Zach. Okay, bye, Vorthropod. We love you. Ad break. Ad break. Still using ordinary pet litter? Why bother when you could be using Litteraline? Litteraline is the premier pet litter for all your magical, monstrous, and otherwise magnificent pets. We at Litteraline not only bring harmony between scent and user, we bring alignment between pet and owner to a whole new level. Talk about chaotic good. Trying not to disrupt the workplace with your office imp? Try lawful neutral printer parchment. Adjusting to changes with your lycanthropy? Try chaotic good Musty Tavern. Your Yeti looking for some Christmas in July? They're sure to love neutral good mulled wine. Just don't give a fuck? We've got chaotic evil Renaissance Fair porta potty just for you sickos. In addition, all purchases of Literaline come with a pack of our new waste bags of holding, so the next time your blink dog drops a deuce on a walk, you can whisk that waste away to its own scent neutral pocket dimension. Call 1-800-PET-SHOP to order now and start realigning the way your pet does business. Literaline, a scent for all kinds. So uh, up next we have the Sun Catcher Scarab. Oh, we're just going right in? I was going to. Okay. I just, you zagged on me, that's all. Yeah. Don't do another right. sad Irish bit. I'm just... Graphic. <laughs> <laughs> I have the most joyous of news. All right, I can do a happy Irish fit. What is it? Dies alive. Oh. <laughs> the dog just thank took his leg. Oh, thank the saints. Took his leg. Took his, his whole leg. Okay, it's veering, it's veering sad again. No, he's, he's, it's fine. All he's right. alive, right. and, and right. that's what we love that's about him. That's what we love about him. We love him alive, da. I love a live duck. <laughs> okay. Can just never be able to work the fields again. Don't cry, you're making it sad. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker. Piece of shit. Yep. Banshees of Inisherin, you can find on HBO Max. <laughs> anyway, the Suncatcher Scarab. Suncatcher Scarab. So this is just a big ass scarab beetle. I love um, it. It's all pretty much all gold. Cool. It's underside, lovely green eyes, lovely green, and then like you know how like beetles they got yeah like the there's like the you know the shell yeah and then the shell splits and then underneath the shell is the wings yeah so under the wings are like it looks kind of like they're stained glass yeah they've got kind of that almost pattern and coloration to them yeah. Like with lots of blues and greens stuff. It's pretty cool. It even says that in uh, the text. Oh, does it? Yeah. Sick. The immense scarab is a radiant. Oh. The immense scarab is a radiant golden green. Oh, okay. I guess that's a proper sentence. It just kind of threw me off a little <laughs> yeah, bit. Yeah, it sure is, bud. <laughs> As it's Elytra. 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 I just looked As- this up. That was the word I was pre-checking. Nice. Uh, As its elytra open, colorful wings unfurl, and a loud droning fills the air. Yeah, uh, singular elytron. Those are the the wing cases of the beetle. Cool. Nice. Elytron. Interesting. Or elytra for plural. 
The Suncatcher Scarab gets its name from the stained glass pattern on its wings. There you go. Look at this go. Uh, which casts colorful shadows when it flies overhead. Oh, that's so cool. That is very cool, especially considering this is a gargantuan beast. Oh, shit. I didn't realize it was that big. It's gargantuan. Motherfuck. So imagine, like, your whole village is just cast in, like, blue, purple, and green. And you hear... And you're like, what is happening? So fucking scary, actually. And then just a giant beetle flies overhand. Oh, man. Very cool. Um... When it flies over. Unfortunately, such shadows often presage destruction. Yeah. Uh-oh. Product of godly intervention. Oh. This massive insect is a relic of a bygone age, though details are scant. Some believe it was once the avatar of a god. Others say it was created to end a now dead civilization. Whoa. And some societies claim it helped their ancestors triumph in an all but forgotten war. Now, however, the Suncatcher Scarab is a simple, if large, insect. <laughs> yes. They talk about the Suncatcher Scarab like it's like you know, like a Tarrasque level entity. Yeah, you know, like it's just the Tarrasque. Like there's not a bunch of Tarrasques out there. There's yeah, one you're Tarrasque. right. Huh. It's interesting. It is interesting. I like this. I like this. But then this next one, this next one starts with a suncatcher scarab. Okay. So I don't know. I like the idea (laughs) though that like in in a fiction like per a region there is just the concept of the suncatcher scarab. Yeah. That's cool. Destructive force. Yeah, a suncatcher scarab usually remains underground, tending its boulder-sized eggs or slumbering for decades at a time. However, hunger or natural disasters such as an earthquake can disturb it, making it burrow from uh, for the surface. Once exposed to the sun, the scarab goes on a rampage, oh, no. destroying anything in its path and devouring just about anything to sate its omnivorous hunger. Oh, no! I was so excited for this! <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> If not stopped, the beast eventually tires and returns to its underground lair where it remains for decades before returning to the surface. Fuck! <laughs> I'm upset. <laughs> you were like, here's this big chill bug, and then it turns I out. I thought to- it was so cool. <laughs> and then it turns out to have a murderous hunger. All right, so this thing's a gargantuan beast. <laughs> I'm, sorry it's about your be- I'm sorry about your beetles. Oh, I was so excited about the big beetle. <laughs> I, there were so many opportunities. There still can Damn. be. There still can be. So it's got a 19 armor class. Yeah. So, you know, it's a big, big beetle. That checks that makes out. Sense. 145 hit points, which is less than I expected, honestly. Yeah. Uh, 30 foot movement speed, 40 foot burrow speed. Only a 15 foot fly speed, though. Huh. That's like if, you know, like something the size of like a football stadium was flying by, but it was only flying at like 10 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, just. Very big bumblebee, yeah. (laughs) Well, bumblebees are faster. I just (laughs) just this big hunking cloud that's just slow mo scrolling through the sky. It's a fucking blimp. (laughs) (laughs) This is this is an absolute blimp of a scarab. Everyone like runs outside, like it's you know gonna like take some big swooping passes, and it's like, why the hell is it taking so long? Just hey, we got time. Get just like pack a bag. <laughs> yeah, the first pass is took in forty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> if that thing touches down, though, watch the fuck out. Oh, they're fucking screwed. Yeah, it's gonna double its speed if it if it lands though. <laughs> yeah, we need to get out of here. <laughs> <sighs> fucking hell. Oh. I know this is a good episode because my cheeks hurt from laughing. Oh, shit. All right. So it's got 20 strength. Pretty big. It's got a 16 charisma. It's pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty. 18 con. It's int is one, though. Jesus. So it's a big dumb beetle. It's resistant to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from non-magical attacks, immune to poison, radiance, and thunder. Mm. So fucking... No chance you're going to use shatter on this motherfucker. Nope. Uh, immune to charmed, frightened, paralyzed, poisoned, restrained. Ha. Huh. Blindsight out to 90 feet. 
uh, and it's completely blind beyond that radius. Oh, um, it only yeah. works with blindsight. It only knows what's 90 feet ahead of it. Weird. And it's not tremor sense. It's blind sight. Yeah. Well, because if it was flying. Yeah. I just feel like, you know, it lives underground. So, like, you'd think tremor sense would be the thing, but I guess not. Yeah. Um, challenge rating at 10. Damn. 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 Uh, discordant Damn. drone. Damn. Creatures within 15 feet of the sun catcher scarab can't hear each other's spoken words and can't cast spells with verbal components. Interesting. Damn. And it's a siege monster, so it deals double damage to objects and structures. That almost prompts the question of, like, if a wizard casts a spell and no one can fucking hear it, does the spell go off? I think so. It's weird, because the drone... I guess it says it's discordant. It's not saying it to you know, other people when you're you know usually doing it, you know, it the the chant for a spell. You're saying yeah. it to activate the weave. But like, does the weave need to hear it? I mean, yeah, but the weave's everywhere, so it would hear. It. Unless it's drowned right? out by the sounds of a gargantuan beetle. Well, no, it can't then. Ooh. But like, if no one's around to hear it, yeah, it would still work. Okay, sure. It's unstoppable. <laughs> that means it can't be stopped. It can't be stopped. Moving through difficult terrain doesn't cost the Suncatcher Scarab extra movement, and its speed can't be reduced. Well, Ooh, damn. No. Dang. It's got a multi-attack. The Suncatcher uh, Scarab makes three bite attacks. The triple chomp. It's a plus nine Woof. to hit. 2d8 plus five piercing damage plus 2d6 poison damage. Wow. Uh, and it's a DC 16 con save or be poisoned to the end of your next turn. Uh, it's got a burrowing burst. If the Suncatcher Scarab burrows at least 20 feet as part of its movement, it can use this action to emerge in a space that contains one or more other creatures. Nice. Each of those creatures. And uh, each creature within 10 feet of the Scarab space must make a DC 16 deck save on a failure. creature takes 68 bludgeoning damage and is knocked prone. Fuck, dude. On a success, a creature takes half of the damage and is pushed up to 10 feet out of the scarab space into an unoccupied space in the creature's choice. If no unoccupied space is within range, the creature instead falls prone in the scarab space. Uh-huh. Um, but then it's got, oh, dang, a wing beat. This is a recharge. The uh, Suncatcher Scarab rapidly beats its wings, releasing sound or light in a 60-foot cone. Whoa. Each creature in that area must make a DC 16 con save. The effect depends on if the Elytra is closed or open. If it's closed on a failed save, the creature takes 10 D6 thunder damage. Jesus. And is pushed 15 feet away and knocked prone. Yep. Um, or, you know, on a successful half as much isn't pushed to knock prone. Uh, or if it's open, then they take 10 D6 radiant damage and is blinded until the end of its next turn. So all of the lights from the wings, if it's open. It, it caught it. Yeah. It caught, it, caught it, hey, it caught that sun. It caught the sun. It does what it says on the tin. Fuck, dude. This Fuck. thing is, like, this is the thing, like, that you would see like in you know the the fantasy me, uh movie when like the evil emperor like is you know, trying to take over the land um and like the the heroes feel like they like you know like found the secret weapon that they needed or found a leg up and like come in really confident and then they just hear that low drone yeah and they're like no oh shit <laughs> he caught the sun catch a beetle and then it shows up and is just decimating shit. Ooh. And then they're like, we've got to beat it. And it's really climactic. Yeah. The sun. Just... Or would it, would it be penultimate at that moment? I don't know. Penultimate is like moment before the end. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, yeah it's like that. That's like the real build up to the. I don't, I don't know. Who knows? Who fucking knows? Calling this thing in fiction just the sun catcher. Ooh, really cool. Pretty sick. Um, bad pet, bad pet, definitely. <laughs> we definitely sw swing and a miss. But you know, if you're an uh, evil emperor looking to invade a land, you need to you know take the 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 sort of um, mythos of that land and turn it against the people. Yep. You know, hey, we cater to people of all alignments. Mm -hmm. You know, we can. You know, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk. 
Just let us know. That seems scary. But please don't. But but you know what? Please don't do that though. Like that's bad. That's bad. That's like, bad. Like on the one hand, money, money. We but love the, the other money. But on the other hand, murder. Yeah, it's it's um, you know, trying to be impartial uh in this sort of business climate um mm-hmm. is difficult. Mm-hmm. It's difficult. We should really talk about becoming a, like a nonprofit. I, I if we. We'll talk about we'll it. Talk we'll talk about, about, about it. it. We'll see if we can get that 501c3. Yeah. 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 This thing's um I, I was really looking forward to this one. It's very um, pretty. It's real cool. There's looking, a lot you can do with like the wings and like It's just rough to know that it is a, a horrible just blight on uh anywhere yeah. that it resides. Because imagine like kids like finger painting on the wings. Oh, you know, oh, like Griff. why did you give me that <laughs> hope? Uh, Imagine the light shows that you could do, the laser oh, light shows through oh, this thing's Griff. wings. Don't give me hope, though. <laughs> Imagine the the absolute fear and destruction. I mean, that will probably happen. Right. I don't need hope for that because I know that that's going to be the case. Rad. Rad, 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 rad. Oh God. Um. Good on the scarab. I'm good on the scarab. You know, good. my heart was broken. We move on. Um. <laughs> it's another day. Another day. Another book. Yeah. What up? Um. Speaking of fear and destruction. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to turn your attention. To Tome, Cobalt Press's Great Tome of Beasts 3, page 242, and just the absolute fucking unit of a penguin <laughs> that is the Imperator. Yo, this thing is ridiculous. Folks at home, I would like you to imagine, what do you think, Zach, 15, 20 feet? Oh, more than that. 30? It's gotta be. It might be pushing 30 feet. This thing's real tall. Let's call it a 30 feet, a 30 foot tall emperor penguin. Yes. It's eating a walrus like it was a sardine. Yeah. A really big sardine, but still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, it's just going like. Yeah, it's essentially like if I tried to like (laughs) scoop down like, like a tuna. Like a full tuna, <laughs> like it's a pretty big fish. You could do it, but or like a, you know, like like a really meaty salmon. Yeah, like like I like I you know could try and gulp it down. Like if your um, if your jaw could distend like that. Yeah, I probably can't do it, but you know who can? The Imperator. This massive penguin with black, gold, and white feathers tilts its head back and swallows a slain walrus. Yeah, that's not a seal. That's a walrus. That's oh a no, walrus. Yeah, this thing's got to be 30 feet tall. Jesus. Uh, There's a lot of text here, so let's get to it. The Imperator resembles a standard Emperor Penguin, though built on a massive scale. It is not only bigger, but also much more intelligent and more aggressive than its smaller kin. Thankfully, Imperators are quite rare. Inhabiting desolate, ice-bound coastal regions, these massive migratory birds travel hundreds of miles between feeding grounds and attack small boats, whales, and even the livestock of coastal villages while traveling. Yike. Uh-huh. Just big yike. Um, they have a psychic rapport. Imperators possess an intellect that surpasses the average animal. While their intelligence doesn't rival most humans, they have both a deep cunning and a measure of psychic ability. Mm. Imperators can communicate with local penguin populations and even control the penguin's behavior. In some instances, they forge local populations into a single vast colony, which they use as a personal army to attack and drive off predators and other interlopers. In times of extreme need, they devour smaller penguins as an emergency food source. Some coastal humanoids treat an Imperator as a minor god or a nature spirit, considering its appearance an omen and offering sacrifices in hopes of good fortune. However, most humanoids dread any sign of them because their ravenous appetites can spell disaster for other creatures. 
A single Imperator can devastate local populations of seals, walrus, and fish in a few weeks before moving on. Imperators with colonies of penguins following them can leave famine in their wake because the sea is cleared of most fish stocks. That is awful. Jesus Christ. Imagine this in uh, your mind's eye. Yes. You're on an expedition to the far north. Ah, the far north. You're, you know, in your thick furs <clears throat> trying to find someone that no one, find something that no one has ever seen before. Ooh, you come across await. just a nice, a, like a cute colony of penguins. And they're they're nice and they're cute and they're walking around like. Ah, the locals. And then you hear. And strutting out of a cave is this massive thing. Go to heavens! And it... No. And uh. just spits out an entire human corpse. And looks at you goes... Whoop. Whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> and just starts <laughs> shuffling at you full speed. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Uh, no. I don't. I no longer want to envision this in my mind's eye. That's the t- that's the story I wanted to tell. You. Where imperators reside, there is often no greater measure of a hunter or hero than to slay such a beast. Given the havoc they can wreak on food supplies, anyone who can claim to have slain an imperator is looked upon most favorably by those who have suffered their visitations before. Colonies of emperor penguins sometimes fall under the sway of the Imperator. Penguins that remain under the influence of an Imperator for more than one season change, both physically and in temperament. They become larger, smarter, and more aggressive. From a distance, they look like normal, if over-large, penguins, and their rookeries are strangely orderly, with nests equally spaced in neat rows. However, they attack in force and with surprising ferocity against trespassers, and doubly so when led by their Imperator leader. When compelled by an Imperator, a swarm of penguins fights without fear and to the death. What the fuck? Mega Penguin! What the fuck is this? It's a huge monstrosity, neutral alignment, 16 armor class, 216 hit points, 30 foot walk speed, Zach, 90 foot swim speed. Holy fucking shit. Maxed out on strength above the uh, uh, mortal limit of constitution. Uh, Yeah, seven intelligence, which for an animal is pretty smart. Uh, 12 wisdom, 15 charisma, uh, immune to cold damage. They can understand common, but they cannot speak. So you might be able to reason a bit with the Imperator. That's maybe... Zach, they have an ability called essential oiliness. The Imperator Imperator has advantage on saving throws and ability checks made to escape a grapple or end the restrained condition. They can hold their breath for up to an hour. They can, uh, they have penguin telepathy. They can communicate, uh, excuse me, they can magically command any penguin within 120 feet using limited telepathy. And they deal double damage to objects and structures. Fuck, dude. It has a multi-attack. Uh, makes one beak attack and two wing slap attacks. Uh, the beak is plus nine to hit, ten foot reach, three d12 plus five damage on hit, uh, and then it uh, creature must succeed on a DC 17 dexterity save or become swallowed by the Imperator. Gross. And then all of the... Uh, the subsequent getting eaten things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's wing slap does 2d10 plus 5 damage, and it has a breath weapon, essentially. Pelagic bile. Pelagic bile. The Imperator regurgitates its stomach contents in a 60-foot cone. Holy fucking shit. Creatures must make a dexterity 17 saving throw. Uh, on a failure, they take 5d6 acid and 5d6 poison damage and are poisoned for one minute. Um, it is noted that if a creature has been swallowed by the Imperator and it uses its pelagic bile, that creature is regurgitated as part of the attack. <laughs> oh, nice. 
<laughs> so if you're a DM, you can offer a nice little lifeline to a swallowed party member and just make them part of the vomit attack. Uh, and I am the vomit attack. Uh-huh. And then it does have a couple other abilities here that I, I failed to notice until just this moment, including one called Toboggan Charge. I love Toboggan Charge. <laughs> the Imperator moves up to 30 feet in a straight line over ice or snow uh, and can move through the space of any large or smaller creature. Uh, knocking into creatures, they must succeed on a DC 17 strength saving throw or take 8d8 bludgeoning damage and be knocked prone. And as a reaction, once per day, they can muster the legions. When they are reduced to half HP, they can summon 1d4 swarms of penguins. Acting on initi count, uh, initiative count 20, uh, acting as allies of the Imperator and obeying telepathic commands. I think my favorite thing about this is that uh, uh, where Imperators uh, uh, reside... There's often no greater measure of a hunter or hero than to slay such a beast. Yeah. Like, I want to see, like, you know, the hardened, like, adventurers who are sitting in a bar. It's like, I took down an ancient black dragon. I killed myself a lich. How about you, boyo? Oh, I killed a big-ass penguin. His drinks are all yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is absolute, like, yeah, fishing story uh, yeah. Uh, fodder. Yeah. I just killed this big-ass penguin this one time. Yeah, this you big abs this big penguin rolled through and started killing all the fish, and it got all the other penguins to follow it, so I got me and my chess club together, and we went and dealt with the dang thing. Get a hero. What, what's your name, boy? Oh, I'm Maxwell. We'll sing songs of Maxwell... For years to come. Hey! Yeah, it's just a mega penguin. Bad pet. Bad, <laughs> bad pet, dude. I think, you know, all in all, bad pet. Bad pet. Great, Fuck. great, great creature. Great creature. Holy shit. I, and you know what? Part of me with some of the shit we've seen in this book, Zach, it's like, if we're picturing the writer's room at Codeball Press, it's it's such an example of like hits blunt what about a 30 foot tall penguin <laughs> like <laughs> yeah i want to see like the whiteboard which says penguin but big, big? <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> but you know what we got a, a great creature and a great first running of uh uh cobalt press's tome of beast three really well, am good. i right so good cobalt press you've done it again good shit you cobalts have done it again. As we uh, like to say here, cobalt, cobalt. Cobalt, cobalt. And, uh, God, fucking rocking it. But I think that uh, just about does it, yeah? I think that'll do it. Folks, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Zach and Griffin's Multiversal Pet Shop. If you enjoyed what you heard, check us out on all around the places. Drop us a review somewhere. Oh, we would love it. Or a we would rating. Just love it. Yeah, or both. Or both. Uh, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash media, where you can donate to us monthly, get some cool rewards for yourself. Yeah. And, um, you know, help us build towards my, uh, my our next goal is a dream of mine. Um, and that dream is something I like to call TTRPGDQ, uh, which is TTRPGs uh, done quick. That's such a bad idea. <laughs> Um and we'll figure it out. Uh, it'll happen, I but we gotta reach that goal. That so help will. us get there. Hey, <laughs> I'll I will put in the work. I swear to you. Okay. Um, if you're looking to hear more of us, uh, you can follow me on Ghostlight Media's Another Path uh, TTRPG show, and uh, you can listen to Zach as the Master of Ceremonies over at the Silent mm. Secrets mm. on Ghostlight mm. Media, a Monster Hearts Monster Two podcast. Hearts two. Monster Hearts Two. Monster Hearts Great game. Two. Uh, but dang it, gang, it's just been so nice to have you here. It's been so nice having you all. But friends, you know what? I think it's time to bid adieu. I have been Zach. And I have been Griffin. And just remember, folks, at the end of the day. It's all about penguins, baby. <laughs> it's all about loving 30-foot-tall Pen penguins. 30-foot-tall penguins, it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> it's, all about <laughs> it's all about love, but big. Pe but big? <laughs> Bye. Bye.
Thank you all for listening to episode 106 of Zach and Griffin's Multiversal Pet Shop. If you enjoyed the show, consider leaving us a review or telling a friend about us. You can find us as part of the Ghostlight Media Network over at ghostlightmedia.net or on Twitter at PetShopCast. On our website, you can find links to our merch store and Patreon page, which helps support all of the Ghostlight Media shows and all of the amazing people who create them. Speaking of which, thank you to our patrons Xander, Kyle, and Tyler for your continued support. We'd like to thank Nicole Tuttle Rob for making our theme song. You can find Nicole on Twitter at Nicole Voice and on The Silent Secrets as part of Ghostlight Media. We'd also like to thank our friend Rin for voicing the ads you hear on the show. You can find Rin on Twitter at Rin underscore Moran and on the Imprinted Echoes podcast, also a part of Ghostlight Media. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Until then, I got nothing else to say but Cobalt, Cobalt. Honestly, go support Cobalt Press. They're awesome. Bye. This has been a Ghost Light Media production.